0: Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Congratulations. It's been a long road to this weekend. So just a word of advice. Take a deep breath and relax and enjoy these next 24 to 36 hours because they will end much too quickly. Settle in. Enjoy the love of family and friends, the congratulation of faculty, and the joy of a deep sense of accomplishment. In January of this year, a writer by the name of Paulina Pampliano published a piece on, in a journal, online journal, entitled The Profile. Purpose of the journal is to profile particularly successful people around the globe. The piece that she published was, 15 people talk about the most important question they've ever been asked. So she was trying to explore what it was that people, well-known people, would say, if asked, what is the most important question you have ever been asked? Pompliano says, that's my business, to ask questions as a journalist. And so I'm always looking not only to refine the way I ask questions, but to refine the questions themselves. So what is a life-changing question? In the process, she decided that she would tweet that out to her followers and see what they would say, and many responded. I'd like to read you just five of those who responded, five who said, this is the most important question I have ever been asked. First one, would you rather have the ability to look into your future or to change your past? Second, what have you changed your mind about lately? Third, what's the one thing you wish somebody would ask you that no one is asking you? Fourth one, would you do this what you're doing. Would you do this if you weren't getting paid? It's a question worth pondering. If you woke up tomorrow with no memory of your past, but you could still function as a relatively normal human being, what would you do with your new start? There were many that were tweeted in. So out of that experience, Pompiano then asked a question herself. Her question that she tweeted out to any who were reading was this. What's the most important, the most thought-provoking question anyone has ever asked you? I've been thinking about that a fair bit lately. And thinking about it in the context of the Old Testament book of Proverbs from which Dr. Handysides just read. That book is a book that's all about gaining wisdom about being humble enough to ask questions, about being attentive enough to listen and to learn. So I want to take you to one pithy proverb, just one verse long in Proverbs chapter 20, that moves into the arena, into what Pompliano was talking about. So listen to this simple, brief proverb. Though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. So what the old wise man is saying is there is within us wisdom, things that may be buried fairly deep. One Old Testament scholar says the metaphor, the imagery of this proverb is that of the ancient world where people would gather around a well. The well was deep. They had the bucket. They had the lengthy rope. And time and again, they would throw the bucket into the well and draw out the water. That's the imagery of the proverb. Delve down deep into your heart and soul. And what comes out might surprise you. Not necessarily always in the best way. But the writer of this proverb is saying, you may learn some things about yourself and life and the world and God. So the way we do that is by asking and answering questions. So Pompliano asks, what is the most thought-provoking, important question you've ever been asked? What question has changed your life? So I've been thinking about that. I suppose it's natural that as I thought about it, my mind went back many years to when I was growing up because one of the key questions I was asked, you were asked, was what do you want to be when you grow up? I saw you mouthing the words. What do you want to be when you grow up? So when I was at an age where people were asking me that question, my dad was pastoring a church in Mexico It was a church made up almost exclusively of medical students and their families who were from the United States but were studying medicine in Mexico. So there was a very heavy medical influence in my life. What do you want to be, Randy, when you grow up? It must have been in my early to mid-teen years that this happened because the educational system, especially medically, is different there. So you spend six years in primary school, three years in secondary school, and three more years in preparatoria or bachillerato, which would be equivalent to our 12 years up through high school. But at that point, instead of going to college, you go straight into your career path, engineering or law or medicine, whatever it is that you have chosen. And so you're thinking at a younger age, specifically, what am I going to choose? I can still see it in my mind's eye walking onto the campus of the medical university there with my father to register, to get into preparatoria and to get on the medical pathway. Mom and dad were supported. Dad was there to help me. We got to the place where I would register and would begin the process. I said, Dad, I'm just not sure just not settled about this. You sure, Rand? Yeah, I, I just, I don't think that this is for me. It was maybe a year or so later that there was born in me a sense of call to ministry. One that has never left me. You had that experience, or you wouldn't be here. Somewhere along the way, that question was asked of you. Possibly you might say, that's the most important question. What are you going to be when you grow up? Or maybe that's not the most important one. Maybe the most important one in your life has been, who are you going to marry? Because a few years after that, I began to be asked that question. So I graduated from college and was still single, pastored for a period of time, and then went back to seminary, finished seminary, went back and pastored again, still single. A single pastor learns to be a bit wary about invitations home to dinner. <laughs> but then a friend said to me, you need to go meet a woman who works in an office right near the school from which you graduated. And so I did. I went and met her. Now, some of you will remember the name Anthony Campolo, that spinner of great tales, that teller of great stories, who apparently at one point in time was asked, after having told a spectacular story, somebody said to him, did that really happen? He said, if it didn't, it should have. (laughs) So every time I think of this story and tell this story, it gets better. (laughs) Isn't that the mark of a good story? So I went in and I saw her sitting there. She's sitting right over there at the end of that row. That beautiful woman, young woman over there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I went in and took one look at her and said, Meet the man you're going to (laughs) marry. And she said, Where is he? I'm a pastor. So I said, I that speak unto thee am he. (laughs) And she said, Lord, increase my faith. (laughs) Or something like that. So after that, it became a matter of convincing her that God was calling both of us to join our pathways in life. One of the best and most important decisions I've ever made. In answer to that question, that some of you, not all of you maybe, but some of you will ask or be asked, who are you going to marry? It's an important question. Would you say that's the most important one you have faced? Or maybe it has been where you're going to live. You're going to graduate tomorrow And then the next step in your life begins. For some of you, that will be a period of time, further education. For others, you're kind of settling in. And you think, well, I'm still in a mobile place. I I need to be ready to move on further. But sometimes we don't realize how important those decisions are. I can still remember going to my mom's office when I was pastoring in Austin, Texas and telling her, Mom, I've had an invitation to join the chaplain's department at Loma Linda University Medical Center. Mom, I'm moving to California. And she said, California? Isn't that where they have earthquakes? And I said, Mom, don't worry. I'm only going for a couple of years. Just a couple of years. Sometimes the answers to the questions are much bigger than you think they are. So maybe that's the the question. The question that's forming your life or that's changing your life. Where are you going to live? Or maybe the important question that someone will ask you, especially important after tomorrow, is what do you do for a living? I've discovered that when I get on an airline flight and sit down, if I want to have a nice, quiet, peaceful flight, all that has to happen is that the person seated next to me has to say, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pastor. And the earbuds go in and I have a great flight. In fact, I've discovered that I'm not alone in that reality. The well-known preacher and author Charles Swindoll writes this. He says, I could fill a book with amazing stories of stuff people have done and said shortly after they learned I was in the ministry. One fellow sitting next to me on a plane during the mealtime nervously changed his request from a Bloody Mary to a ginger ale, (laughs) whispering to me in a sweat that he really meant to order that in the first place. I told him, don't worry, I don't mind what you drink, which he thought was a hint, so he ordered me a Bloody Mary. When I declined, he decided to change seats. In such a hurry, he spilled his meal all over me. Sometimes it's just easier to tell people I'm an author. But then they want to know what kind of books I write, and that leads to another Bloody Mary ginger ale episode. I wonder if that'll be the most important question. Especially after tomorrow, that sheepskin clutched in your hand. What do you do for a living? That will test you, will try your motives, will test your humility. I serve people, I'm continuing the teaching and healing ministry of Jesus Christ what's the most important question I discovered earlier in ministry that an important question was asked to me that set me on a whole new trajectory one that I might have expected as a pastor but I didn't see coming at that moment in time Somebody who had been attending my congregation asked, could we go out? I'd like to take you out to lunch. I want to talk about something. Absolutely. Food's involved. You're a nice guy. Let's go. (laughs) So we went and sat at the restaurant facing each other across the table. And he looked at me and he said, I want to ask you this question. Why do you believe in God? Don't quote scripture to me. That's an internal kind of argument. Tell me why you believe in god without using the bible and i realized it was testing me and it set me on a journey an important journey of study and reading and discovering for a reasoned and a reasonable faith suggesting that there are ways to have a credible faith in god by using mind and science it's been life changing Maybe that's the question, but closely related to it, certainly here in Loma Linda is the question, if you believe in God, what kind of God do you believe in? It was back in 06, 07, somewhere around there, that Baylor University published a study which they had conducted. The study, the researchers had decided they wanted to try to find out what kind of God people who live in this country believe in by the time they were done with their study they had determined that their respondents had answered their questions in such a way that they could they could distinctly see four different kinds of God in which people in this country believe in fact they said honestly some of this was geographically specific four different kinds of God An authoritarian God, a critical God, a distant God, or a benevolent God. My journey here at Loma Linda University has been a profound one in that very regard, in theology. Because so many in this place, professors and then colleagues and then friends, have helped form my thinking about the good, the benevolent God we serve. Names like Maxwell and Provencia and Tonstad and Rice and Blazon and Ransel and Thompson, Yee. Others who've helped form my understanding about who God is. In fact, I've come to believe and understand so profoundly that how we think about how we believe in God is so profoundly formative in our lives that I could say to you with a fairly high degree of confidence, tell me who your God is and I'll tell you what your life's like. So maybe that's the most important question someone could ask you. Who is your God? Or maybe you would say, wait a minute, I agree with Martin Luther King, Jr., who said life's most pressing, life's most urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Are you serving others? Are you doing something for those who are less fortunate than you are? Followed up by Carl Miniger's statement, if you're struggling emotionally, not feeling healthy or well, walk out the front door, go across the street, and help someone else. Because that will change your life. So maybe that's the most important question. What are you doing for others? We're doing exactly what the writer of the old proverb said. We just keep throwing the bucket down and drawing it back up trying to see what's there, trying to see what connects, trying to understand what is it that's important and formative in your life and in mine. So maybe you would say, no, it's actually something different. Maybe your experience would be like mine. When I stood at a fork in the road, uncertain of which option to take, still fairly early in my career path, struggling and trying to discern what the wise way was. A friend of mine, a colleague, but a friend, set me down one day, knew of my struggles, knew of my halting between two different options. And he looked at me and he said, Randy, tell me, what would you do if you had no fear? What would you do if you had no fear? You see, what I'd been experiencing up to that point in time, I had given the name confusion to it. I was confused, confused in my mind, confused, uncertain about which way was best. But in the moment he asked me that question, I immediately knew what I would do if I had no fear it was a light that went on in my head that said to me actually I am not confused what I'm experiencing here is a lack of courage I know what to do it's just a question of whether or not I have the courage to actually do it so what's the most important question Pompliano asks. Most life changing question anyone has ever asked you, as you've cast into the well and drawn up answers, uh, what is your question? Somebody after first service, medicine baccalaureate, a graduate, came up to me and said, Here's my life question. What ill was I born to fix? That's not bad. What injustice, what darkness, what pain was I born to repair? What's the most important question? So I've been sorting those through in my own mind and life and experience, trying to think which one is. And all those questions, for as important as they are, are not the most important one in my life. In my life, it's a different question. It's a question that doesn't necessarily come to me explicitly. Some questions do. Some you're asked by people. Some you discover when you're reading. Some come into your own mind. This one has come to me commonly more implicitly from the pages of this book. From the lips of an itinerant Galilean rabbi. They've come to me in this form. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? It's a question that has been asked at key moments in my life. It's a question that's asked on a daily basis in my life. It's a question to which I I really honestly I would like to ask some follow-up questions to. When the question comes, will you follow me? I'd like to ask, where are we going? How long are we going to be gone? Do I need to take anything with me? Am I free to not stay the whole time? All other kinds of questions, but maddeningly, they don't get answered. It's just that consistent, persistent, insistent question. Will you follow me? Every morning, after I awaken, I slip to my knees and I answer it again. Yes. Yes, today I will. But there have been certain moments in my life when it's been asked in a much larger way. One was two, three, four years. I don't remember the chronology extremely well. But sometime after I decided that there was a call on my life for ministry, but I was still being pulled in two or three different directions, especially internally and spiritually. Well, I think I should go here, and I'm called here, but this is... The direction in which I'm making my choices and the things that I'm doing it all came to a head one night probably late teen years I was home alone I got into my pickup truck and drove out into the country to my aunt and uncle's house where I knew my mom and dad were visiting rang the doorbell Aunt Mill came to the door. Well, Randy, come on in. No, 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 Aunt Mill, is Dad here? Well, yeah, but you could, no, I just tell him I want to talk to him. So Dad came out and could see something was distressing me. I said, can we walk? And so we walked down the moonlit country lane. Gravel road. Grassy shoulders, quiet night. And I unpacked it for Dad. This call, this tension, this pull, these choices in other directions that haunted me. And after a while, Dad, who was a man of this book, just started to tell me some of the promises of God. Talked with me about the call of God on his life and mine. And through it all, I could hear echoes of that most important question. Will you follow me? So it was there... That quiet night, and still see it. That we knelt on the grass by the roadside. My father talked to our father about my yes answer to that question. Most important question I've ever faced without diminishing any other one's importance. Because while all the others are important, it is possible to get them wrong and still, at least outwardly, do fine. But this question, if you get this question wrong, everything else isn't fine. Because the same Galilean rabbi who issues the question also says this, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I don't know what the most important question You've ever been asked is. But I would encourage you to linger on that one. Not just till you answer it for life. But even till you answer it each day. You may have answered it before coming or while at Loma Linda University. But if you haven't. I hope, I pray, you answer it before you leave LLU. In fact, if you haven't answered it today, I hope you'll do so before you leave this place. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at LLUC.org.